0: Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We're continuing through the Gospel of Mark in the eighth chapter. Remember where we have been right here. Uh, Jesus asked his disciples, saying, hey, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, uh, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say one of the other prophets. And then Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter just popped up and said, hey, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And in the Matthew account of this, uh, we find out that uh, Jesus says, hey, you're right, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to to you, but my Father in heaven did. And so upon this, upon this proclamation, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, the church itself is going to be the aggressor against the gates of hell. And the church built upon this proclamation of faith in me is going to win. And so it says, when he told him that, he warned him not to say anything about who he is yet. And he began to teach them. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man himself would suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, chief priests, religious rulers, that he would be killed, and that after three days he would rise again from the dead. And he was telling them this, Mark said in verse 32, as uh, stating the matter plainly. He was being forthright with it. In other words, he wasn't being oblique. He wasn't uh, speaking as a parable or anything like that. He was just telling them. Well, Peter takes him aside, <coughs> and he begins to rebuke him. Excuse me. He takes him aside and rebukes Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, he says, uh, Matthew tells us what he says. He says, Lord, may this never happen to you. This is not going to happen to you. <laughs> but then Jesus, according to Mark, turn around, and he sees his disciples. And then he looks at Peter, and he rebukes Peter. Okay, It is a powerful in-your-face rebuke. He says this, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's interest. I mean, that is a major rebuke correction, is it not? He's literally saying that, Peter, you are speaking the words of Satan. Now, had Satan entered into Peter at this moment, this time? No, I don't think so. Because the Lord protected his disciples while he was there. But he was letting Peter and the other disciples, remember he he looked and saw the other disciples, they heard what was going on. He was letting them know, showing them and showing us how quickly you can go from proclaiming the truth, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, to also speaking forth the words of Satan. Oh, Lord, no, Lord, no. That's the words of Satan. Anytime you say, catch yourself saying, Lord, no, like that, he's not Lord, okay? And so he says, you're setting your mind on the interest of man, on what you're wanting to happen, rather than upon the interest of God. True, they did not understand. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying, that he was gonna be killed and resurrected after three days. <clears throat> then Jesus continues speaking, verse 35 of Mark 8, and he says this, for whoever wishes to save his life Will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. Now, the word their life is the same word that is translated as soul. And we're about to see it translated that way in the next two verses. Jesus is saying, Whoever loses his soul for my sake and the gospel's will save it. Whoever loses his corporeal existence at this point in time for my sake. Now, I'm not talking about the type of thing of a, um, uh, a fleshly martyrdom, okay, for lack of a better term. No, he says, if you lose your life for my sake, in other words, you're standing upon uh, my proclamation, you're standing with me, and it costs you your life here, then you're going to be saved. Well, Jesus continues, though, verse 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now remember what we see in Hebrews and other portions of the Scripture that we are spirit, soul, and body. Okay, I think that we're tripartite beings. We consist of spirit. We consist of soul. We consist of body. Uh, there are people think that we're dichotomous. That they think that the spirit and soul are synonymous. That they are the one. They're the same. And the Scripture just uses the, the different terms. I understand that. I'm not going to argue with folks over it. You know, I could be wrong about that. But I think the whole point of the Hebrew passage is that the Word of God is so sharp that it can cut even to the cutting asunder of spirit, soul, and body. That shows us that the spirit and soul are two separate things. Are the terms used synonymously sometimes? Sure. In the Scripture, they are. Yeah, yeah. But here's sort of my understanding of it. That we have a body. Okay, we understand the body part. The spirit... Mm-hmm. Is that where we are made in the image of God? We're made to be images of God. Okay, God the Father is spirit. <clears throat> that which is us, <laughs> and that wonderful grammar there, uh, is spirit. The very essence of who we are as an individual is a spirit. Okay, and so we're made in the image of God as a spirit like that. The soul is the interface. Can I say between the two, between the body and the spirit? The soul is the seat of the emotions. That's where our emotions dwell, okay? And so there is a soul, there is the spirit, okay? And so uh, they are so <clears throat> intertwined tightly that you think, well, maybe they never can be separated. Well, that's the whole passage out of Hebrews there, that the Word of God is so sharp that there is the ability to do that. What's being said here Mark is that, hey, what are you going to exchange your soul for? What are you going to exchange uh, that of whom you are, spirit and soul. Last verse, Mark eight thirty-eight. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So we learn a lot here in this last verse. We learn that Jesus is coming. He's going to return. And he's telling them, at this time when he's standing there before them talking about how he's going to die and he's going to be resurrected, but he's also talking about that he's going to return, which means he's gone somewhere, right? And so he says, I'm going to return. I'm going to return in the glory of my Father with the holy angels. And this word right here is angels. Other times you'll see he's going to return with holy ones, and it uses the term hagios, the saints, uh, which infers some some other folks that will also be with him. But he's saying this, if you're ashamed of me now, if you're ashamed of me in this existence, in this time of adulterous and sinful generation, in this world in which Jesus was living in then, the world which we live in now, if you're ashamed of Jesus now, in other words, if you deny him now, then the Son of Man is going to be ashamed of you. He's going to deny you when he comes. The fact that you are ashamed of him now that you are denying him by your words and your deeds, reveals something. I think it reveals that you're not really his. And so when he comes again, then he's going to say they are not really mine. They may have been very religious, may have been great leaders in their little religious organizations, all this kind of stuff, but they did not know me and I did not know them. It is quite a word of warning that the Lord is giving right here. So he's letting them know how quickly you, know, you can flip from saying what Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, to be speaking the words of Satan. And you need to realize something. If you want to follow Jesus, you need to deny yourself. That's what he started with in verse 34, remember? Take up his cross and follow him. You don't take up your cross and follow what you want to do. You take up his cross and you follow what he wants you to do totally changes the way that we live the life of the kingdom. Again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for your time, and I'll see you in the next episode.